Welcome to season two of the Change the World podcast. This season, I'm going to be speaking not only with nonprofit founders, but with other nonprofit leaders, such as fundraising experts, communications executives, and board members. We'll be addressing some of the big issues facing Jewish nonprofits today and brainstorming ways that we can come together to address them. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining me. Today I have with me Mr. Yitzi Weinberg, who is the Executive Director of the Flatbush Community Fund. Yitzi, thank you so much for doing this with me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So let's get right into it. Tell me a little bit about yourself and specifically your background, how you got into the nonprofit world. I definitely have to say that when I was looking for a job, I did not expect to land up in the nonprofit world. It just happened. I was looking for a job. A friend of mine had recommended me to a nonprofit that was looking to hire someone. I went on a number of interviews at the time. And I guess you could say that to a certain degree, that was the one that appealed to me the most. And that's why I ended up choosing that one. But by no means, it wasn't this kind of thing that I just felt that I had to go into the nonprofit world because to do good or, or that kind of stuff. Obviously, it's, it's an incredibly enjoyable thing knowing that every day you go to work. And you're able to help people. And in fact, I remember speaking to, you know, a rov around the time that I took my first job in the nonprofit world. And he told me that he said, listen, most people have to go out to work. He said, if you're going to be going out to work, at least it's something that's helping people, you know, every day. And, and at the time I, I smiled, I didn't fully appreciate it, but it really is true. It's, it's an unbelievable feeling. I, I do have to say that looking back and I've, I've thought about this myself sometimes, what exactly directed me again, even though it wasn't a foregone conclusion, but what directed me to go in that direction. And uh, I, I would have to say that definitely growing up, I saw a lot of this by my parents, which was a you know strong push or, or it definitely made it a very viable option when I uh, was presented with the opportunity. Wow. So that was a different organization. Yes, correct. First, I was at the my first job was at the JCC of Marine Park. And then after a couple of years there, I switched over to the Flappish Community Fund. So what is the Flappish Community Fund for anybody who may not know? So we're, we're a local community organization. We're focused on Flatbush, Marine Park, that, you know, geographical area. And uh, we were started, we started just about four years ago. So we're still a fairly new organization. And the basic premise of it was to create a central organization, a central location that number one, people who need assistance know that they could turn to for help. Now, we have a number of programs ourselves. We you know, refer to a number of other organizations as well. So it's a one-stop shop that if someone needs help, they have an address, they have a phone number, they know where they could turn. And really on the flip side as well, it created an outlet for community members who are able to help out others. And they didn't necessarily have an avenue until now where they knew that their funds were going to go to help whatever you want to call it, uh, the people on their block, their community, their neighborhood, the people they see in the store, uh, the people they dive next to in shul. These are the people that are you know part of their community. But until now, there was no vehicle for them to say, okay, I'm going to help you know these people. There was, you know, there's a lot of uh, wonderful organizations and there's a tremendous amount of chesed going on. But to know that this is specifically targeting the people that live in their community, um, this allowed them that opportunity to do that. Wow, that's amazing. So what is your role there? What do you do? So uh, my official title is I'm the executive director. Uh, I was the first hiree until uh, a couple of years ago, the only. In the beginning days, I was everything. Uh, if stamps needed to be bought, I was the guy who bought the stamps. If uh, you know, whatever, whatever you could possibly imagine would happen, that's you know, that's what I was doing. Berkshire, we've grown since then, and, and you know, we've we've been able to hire a few other you know wonderful individuals who've been helping us. 
the basic, you know, day to day that goes on is really depends on the day. But there's a lot of troubleshooting if there's any issues that are going on. It's obviously taking care of, of you know, those issues, planning events. We did hire a, you know, someone that, that does the fundraising. I'm still involved in that as well, though, to make, you know, meet, meeting with him, making sure that everything's on schedule, starting new programs, figuring out the funding for the new programs, being in touch with elected officials, all like the different odds and ends, just making sure that everything runs smoothly and that we just were able to keep on growing and uh, helping more people. Wow. Amazing. So I'm sure that even now that you've grown and have some staff, I'm sure you still wear like a lot of hats and are managing a lot of different things. So what would you say of all the things that you deal with, whether on a day-to-day basis or on a bigger picture basis, is the most challenging part of what you do? Yeah, it's definitely true. We're still a fairly lean organization. We don't have that many employees and you know we try to do a lot of stuff. The most challenging part, I would say, is is, is really just trying to grow the awareness and, and really just you know, as much as we you know, we've touched so many people in Flatbush, like I said, we're still a relatively new organization, still making sure and, and because we do so many different services, you know, keep on going back to the thing. Very often when an organization starts, they start off with a very narrow mission and over time it grows and that's wonderful. We sort of started off like a full, full blown, okay, we're going to do everything in Flatbush. Now, obviously that we, we don't do everything and we've grown over time, but we didn't start with one specific thing. So really making sure that everyone in Flatbush from the recipient side, from the donor side, from the Rabunim side, community leaders, that everyone fully understands the full gamut of what we do. But very often we'll meet someone, again, one of those groups that I just mentioned, and they'll know one or two of the things that we do, or they'll know, you know a few of them, but they don't know some of the other ones. So really making sure that everyone understands everything we have to offer is really, you know, and just that awareness is really, I would say, in a way, is probably the most challenging thing that we're, we're facing. So why do you think that is? Do you think that, like, is it a lack of maybe trying to communicate it or is there some kind of like disparity between what people are reading and what they're hearing? Like, why do you think that is a challenge? Because it's something that I've seen many, many organizations kind of say, whether it's the scope of services or who it's for, that people just don't really get what they do. Putting you on the spot. Let's see. So, <laughs> right, no, 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 no that, 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 that's perfectly fine. So the, the truth is when someone is exposed to a certain program that we offer. Let's say, for example, um, their son gets tutoring through our tutoring program. So in their mind, that's what the Flavish Community Fund does. Now, they may see something, they may hear something else, they may be run across a different service that we do, but when, when they think of the Flavish Community Fund, they think of the tutoring program. Someone comes to, you know, gets food from our food pantry, that's what's uppermost in their mind. And from the flip side as well, we have, you know, volunteers, a volunteer that volunteers in a certain program, that's what they're going to, you know, primarily think the Flavish Community Fund is about. That's obviously from one end of it. The other part of it is, is definitely true as well. Call it the marketing awareness strategy of ensuring that everyone knows everything we do could most likely be improved as well. And you know, again, I'm not, not going to speak for other organizations, but in our in our case, that's you know, it, it, there's always that fine balance. You don't want to overspend on marketing, so to speak, because you want to spend the money on on actually helping people. But on the other hand, is if they don't know about it, then they're sort of they're not gonna they're they're not gonna be able to avail themselves of the services. We actually do something interesting when we when we run our large campaign before Pesach. So we actually devote a couple of weeks, the first couple of weeks when we advertise is strictly to let people know to sign up, to apply to get the assistance. We don't, you know, we're not raising money. We're not doing anything. It's strictly, like I said, in awareness, it goes out in the shuls, there are poll signs, there's advertisements, social media and print ads, and it's uh, emails. And it's strictly just so that people should know that it's available and you could sign up. 
And then after that, we start working on, on you know, getting the funds as well, which is obviously important. But I, I would say that it's really a combination of that people focus on what they know about and like the first thing that they experience about the Flavish Community Fund, as well as, you know, we probably have to figure out the mix exactly how to, uh, to give over our, our mission a little clearer as well. So that makes a lot of sense to me where you're saying like, you know, people who are exposed to one service and that, you know, forever and ever, that's what you'll be to them. But also I would go so far as to say that maybe organizations should look at marketing as one of their services, because let's say, you know, you have 10 services that are, you know, absolutely incredible, but if nobody knows about them, you know, and they're the biggest hidden secret in town, then it is not doing anybody any good. Or, you know, kind of you have to be in the know to know the right people to get involved. But if you look at it as like, okay, marketing is like the foundation of our services as of like, this is how we tell people. So I like what you're saying about having that exclusive campaign just to get people to sign up. I think more organizations did that, that we, you know, they could probably start to chip away at this greater issue of like, you know, people not having that clear picture of what they've done. So I, I think that's really helpful. On the flip side, like, you know, just to turn this positive for a second, what, like, what works really well? What, what's your favorite part about the work that you're doing? So again, going back to a little like what I said in the beginning, I I didn't start this thinking that uh, I was going to end up in the nonprofit world, but it's, it's really been wonderful. The truth is, again, you pick out specific stories when when something in particular happened. But the overall concept of every single day, and I, you know, maybe this sounds slightly cliched, but it's true, is really going into work every day. And you know, you're helping people. We get, you know, we get need help forms coming in. Call them up, you know, or, or you know, it's sent in by email, and we're able to find out what the story is. We're able to actually help them from the donor side. It's extremely rewarding when you get through to them. And it's, it was someone that perhaps was, uh, you know, wasn't so into giving or you weren't sure you were going to get so much from them. And when you truly explain to them, and again, these are people who, you know, they, they, they get solicitations all day. And whatever word you want to say, I, I don't want to use the word jaded, but just they've, they've been around the block. They've seen many, many organizations. They're pretty good at, at, at sensing what's real and what's not real. And when you sit down with them and you go through everything you do and how you do it and the support that you have and all the people that are helping, and then they actually buy into it and they become a supporter of the Flavish Community Fund, it's a very gratifying kind of feeling just knowing that like, okay, fine, we're, we're really doing good stuff. You look back, or another thing, you look back at the end of a campaign, again, going back to Pesach or, or some of the other areas that you do, or you go back at the end of the year when you're you know, you're doing an end of the year report and you're looking over your numbers. Sometimes when you're in it, so you lose sense of the you know trees for the forest. And when you actually break it down, you're like, wow, we really had the privilege of helping so many people in this program, in that program, in other programs. And that's, it's really, it's an amazing experience. Do you have any particular stories that stick out for you that you can share? Sure. So I would say this is going a little from the from the donor end of it. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, we were running a campaign and uh, we're getting towards the end of the campaign. And we were still a little bit short and struggling, you know, to try to uh, to try to, to make up the shortfall. And a donor an amazing, an amazing individual reached out to me. It, this was someone who had already given a very, very significant gift. And he reached out to me and he says, you know, Yitzi, I, I see, you know, I've been looking at the campaign page. I see that you're, you're a little bit short of your goal. I'm going to give you another $50,000 on top of what he had given before that. And uh, I'm going to give you another $50,000. I want you to use that to find, you know, to get another matcher, we were short about a hundred thousand dollars. He said you'll get another matcher for the other uh, for the other fifty, so you'll have a total of a hundred. And then I want you to go into a bonus round 
to get another hundred thousand above that. And that really, you know, I, I was really just working the phones, trying to raise the money any way I can. And, you know, seeing some success, but definitely not not enough. And this was just such a, you know, jolt of, of you know, chizek that he gave to me uh, and, and also a, a certain mandate. He's like, okay, this is, you have this now, go out and do it. And, and we managed to do a bonus round, which I never would have contemplated beforehand, solely because he reached out to me gave me a very generous gift of $50,000. I was then able to use that to get another person to match it at 50000 also. And we were actually able to hit the bonus round and complete it of another 100000 on top of that, which allowed us to, again, to, to help a considerable amount of people that we wouldn't have been, you know, necessarily had the funds for otherwise. That was, that was a, I would definitely say, you know, one story that was, you know, really, really meaningful from just, you know, someone realizing the need uh, seeing what they could do about it and not just giving them money, but giving it in such a way that motivated us to go beyond that. And, and then we were able to do that as well. That's incredible. So takeaway for anybody who might be listening and is in the nonprofit fundraising world, if you had to dig into that story, what was your relationship with that donor that would have compelled him to not just want to give, but even motivate to give you like, was there a specific history with them? And, and building on the question is how do you build up those relationships? So for, for starters, I, I can't, you know, to a very large degree, this person's an amazing person. So uh, that, that, that deserves to be said, uh, and it's 100% true. He is, uh, you know, again, it was, it was a relationship that was built up over, you know, pretty much since we started, uh, shortly after you know, I, I joined the Flatbush Community Fund. I remember, you know, setting up a meeting with him, sitting down with him, explaining, you know, everything that we did. He's friendly with some of our board members who also, you know, filled him in over, over time, you know, some of the other stuff that we had been doing. Uh, and we did, we did try to keep up their relationship and, you know, we made sure to meet him every so often, keep him updated, you know, whether it was in person, through emails, a phone call, you know, uh, every so often. So there, there was certainly that building up of the relationship. To a large degree, I got to just say, he's just, he's a great guy. With, I don't know if you're giving yourself the, enough credit because there's a lot of such people thing. out there, but you have to build up the, the specific right, there, there fundraising is. It's relationship building, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was certainly that building up of the relationship. And, and, you know, this person's contributions definitely, you know, grew over time. When we started off, it was at one number. And over time, we've, you know, we've been able to, to grow that as we've shown him uh, more things that we've been doing. We actually, you know, to, to some of our top donors, just to give it a little, you know, example of, of just building the uh, donor connection, we invited some of the donors to some of our board meetings to discuss a certain topic that, you know, we had uh, brought it up with them beforehand that we knew that they were passionate about to pitch it to our board to see if our board would be interested in taking this on as a future project. So that cre- created a certain amount of you know, just buy-in and you know, give and take from them that they felt involved and they felt that you know, they were actually being listened to. So that, that was a, you know, a, a definitely a good move that we did on our part as far yeah, as that. I think that's and, true. And to be perfectly honest, we meant it sincerely. We did believe it was a good idea and we did want to do it by letting them give the actual pitch rather than just listening and then giving it ourselves created much more of a, a relationship with them. And that's probably the key that it was sincere and they knew you weren't just doing it to kind of like make them feel good or you know that you were just trying to get more out of them people pick up on that kind of thing so i, I don't think it's a coincidence right that, that, that is true yes that I, we, we were definitely sincere so yes that's true so let's talk a little bit about change and evolution i think that nonprofits have a little bit of a harder time with kind of what's next since you've started, not even, let's say, with the Flatbush Community Fund, but, you know, in the nonprofit world at all, has there any been, like, noticeable change? I mean, COVID was 
I think probably the main thing that comes to everybody's mind, but change that's happened over the last, let's say, five years and, and what's coming next. I think like it's really important to kind of keep an eye on the past and the future to, to have the best idea of where to go from here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a very important question. So like you said, you know, the first thing that springs to everyone's mind is COVID because whereas I, I wouldn't necessarily even say that COVID, I mean, COVID did change some things, but what it really did also, it really just quickened the pace of a lot of changes that were happening. So to give to give one example that I think everyone's, you know, inundated with, online campaigns. That was something that just completely, you know, took over during COVID for obvious reasons. And doesn't really seem to be going anywhere, even when, you know, definitely for most people, the restrictions of COVID are, are, are not really uh, applicable anymore. So that's that's something that we, I was just actually talking to a principal a couple of days ago, and uh, he was saying, let's say for Purim, he said they see no reason they used to have the boys going around collecting. And even though they could do it again now, they honestly see no reason in doing it. They raise more money on their online campaigns than they used to raise when they used to send all the boys out collecting on Purim night. So there, there's definitely been a shift. And Obviously, there are people complain about it. You know, there are just so many campaigns going on and so on and so forth. As long as people are raising money, though, it's going to stay. And, and even, even in the online campaigns, things are evolving. There are different ways of doing it. There are shifts in strategy. There are different things going on. So there's definitely that, that awareness as well. But as far as the overall shifts in, in the nonprofit world, so I would say that some of them has to do with, and this is probably a longer term shift, and, and I think it's great, is there's much more of an awareness that nonprofits need to run much more like a, you know, in a, in a business kind of format. There used to be like, you know, you had organizations, nonprofit, it was a very loose, you know, uh, kind of affair. There was no formal structure. It was very informal. There was no real formal structure. Again, I'm not, you know, um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying every organization, but there was definitely that sense. And the issue with that is from, from you know, number one, when it comes time to reporting and, and just being able to be accurate in what you're doing, there's a challenge if you don't have that. But secondly, also from the donor perspective, they, they want to see, again, especially when you're targeting top donors, they're all Baruch Shem, successful businessmen, uh, you know, successful in the workplace, and they don't run their business like that. And if you can't answer them and you can't show them what exactly you're doing, there's, there's a problem over there. And while I'm not going to say that nonprofits should run 100% like a business, there are definitely differences, and that's that's a whole separate conversation. There are a lot of areas in which nonprofits can and do you know, have started, definitely have started learning from the business world of really making sure that they're, you know, the data management, making sure that everything's run professionally. There's a, there's a real board there, you know, everything's done the way it's supposed to be done. So you don't have to quickly scramble at the end to try to make believe that things were done correctly. And I think that's, that's one of the big shifts that's being noticed from the donor perspective, from the uh, organizational perspective, there's much more of an awareness that that's, that's something that should be done. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think what COVID taught maybe some nonprofits was kind of thinking about the long term, because I think so many nonprofits kind of operate on this like roller coaster of like, do the campaign, get the funding, use up the money, do the campaign, get the and, and COVID taught us that we can't necessarily rely on that, even though, you know, it turns out that fears were unfounded that people wouldn't give and people really did step up over COVID. But there was that beginning where just life was shut down and nobody knew it was going to happen. And, you know, like a smart nonprofit would take away from that. Like, let's really think about our long term, uh, especially now with, you know, the looming potential of a recession, yes or no, and and inflation. It doesn't mean that you can't do. And in fact, the opposite, because COVID and inflation, most organizations like your own, they need more, right? You need to be able to help more. So it's just about being able to be better prepared for the long term. So I I think that's really helpful. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's definitely true, and I think also there's there's also more of a um, an awareness of a little bit more of let's say what what you know what we do at the Flatbush Community Fund of of helping the entire the entire situation rather than focusing on one specific part. So like, well, when when someone comes to us for help, we're able to again, I'm not saying that we do everything, but we're able to hopefully help them in more than one area or refer them to other other organizations that could then help in those other areas. Uh, so there's, there's that, that understanding that if someone's coming to you for food, there's probably other issues as well. If someone's coming to you for tutoring services, there may be other issues at home that then, that then need to be uh, dealt with. So also understanding that full picture is, I think, something that's, that's becoming much more uh, prevalent as well. And then the next step is to go back to what, you know, we were talking about earlier about the challenge awareness is then giving over that full picture of, you know, to the people that, you know, either received your services or know people or just in the community to kind of give over that full picture is like how you come full circle. And that leads back to how you build up that long-term support, because the more you're helping people quantitatively and qualitatively, the more support you can then be justified to ask for. I think people need to see that, right? If they think you're a basement operation that's kind of fly by night, they're not going to support you as much as if they think that you're a robust organization that's really helping people on a higher level. Correct. Yeah, that that's that's 100% true. That awareness of making sure that everyone knows all the services an organization, us or any other organization does is, is, is crucial. So are there opportunities for people who may be listening to get involved with the organization? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're always open to donations, but anything, do you take volunteers or anything like that? Uh, yeah. So we, we uh, like, like you said, yes, we definitely always take donations. But besides for, for donations, yeah, we, we actually we have a great group of volunteers and we're always you know looking for more. We have a food pantry you know, we supply food to you know, hundreds of families in Flatbush through, through the pantry and putting together the boxes. And you know, when we have the delivery times, that's that's a very clear, obvious time that we need and use volunteers. We're you know, going to be rolling out a campaign. Uh, Rosh Hashanah time, you know, campaigns in general, always, you know, volunteers are extremely helpful, whether it's making phone calls, whether it's, uh, you know, just coordinating some of the, you know, some of the events that go on around the campaign. We're always looking for, you know, for volunteers that could help out with, you know, different stuff. Some of our other programs as well could use, could uh, use volunteer help uh, to help grow them to make sure that they're, you know, they're known. We also work a lot with the shuls. So we're in touch with the Rabbanim having liaison in the shul. So we, we do have in a lot of the shuls, not necessarily in all of them, having the, you know, these, you know, people, you know, with boots on the ground who are, you know, in the shul, in, in that area, that block, whatever the case is, helping advocate and, and also just explaining what we do. All those things are, are incredibly valuable. So we're, you know, definitely always open. Like I said, we have a great group of volunteers and, and always open for, you know, people to join that. Okay, so what's the best, like, is there a website or email for them to go if they're interested or to contact you? Uh, yes, yeah, so the uh, the phone numbers, uh, so we have a website. Website is fcfund.org, so that's as in Flappish Community, so fcfund.org. Phone number is 718-650-3545, and best email to, uh, to get through is contact at fcfund.org. So, again, that's fcfund.org, and, and yeah, all those, all those ways, they all work. Okay, great. I'm going to end off putting you on the spot one last time because I, I didn't prep you for this one. Um, if someone's listening to this, I, you know, I, I've gotten some great feedback from the people who are listening to this, and they're generally people like yourself who are executive directors or in other leadership roles in the nonprofits. Is there a piece of advice that, let's say, you would want to go back and tell yourself five, 10 years ago that, that you can share that might be helpful for someone listening? 
Okay, so I, I will honestly say that looking back, I when when we started the Flappers Community Fund, it was it was an organization. Again, you know, it was started when when I was hired, pretty much, and it was an organization with with a very very limited budget, and we've been able to grow since then. I, I would say, looking back, the uncertainty of what exactly was needed to grow, and and perhaps in my situation, it was a little bit more extreme because, like I said, we were pretty much starting off with nothing. Very often, someone else in an executive leadership position is taking over an organization that's already, you know, is somewhat, you know, is, is already there to a certain degree and they have to grow it. But really just not being afraid, try new things, feel it out that, you know, uh, perfection is the enemy of the good. So many times, like, okay, I was just in, especially in the beginning, you're just afraid, like, okay, I don't want to do this because it's not perfect. Let me just figure out how I can make it perfect. And then you realize that if you just roll it out, if you just start it, just take the first step. I remember uh, listening to a, a course, I forget what it was now, and it was break everything down into the smallest possible you know, steps you could, you look at a task and it just looks overwhelming. Break it down into the very small steps that you need in order to accomplish it. What's the next step? You need to make a phone call. Don't worry about the fact that then you're going to have to raise half a million dollars down the road when the program totally fleshes out. You need to make a phone call, make the phone call. You need to write an email, write an email. Take it very, very small steps at a time. Don't worry about it being perfect. Just make sure it's it's good enough. And really just, you know, people are, are willing to help. People want to help, you know, there's really amazing people out there. And if you come to them with a plan, they'll help you with it. You just, as the leader, as the you know person running the organization or in some other leadership capacity, you have to be the person that's going to take ownership, take charge, going to you know make sure that everyone else knows who to turn to. The buck stops here, but you'll get a lot of support. You just got to do it. That was great. I like that. That's that's really great advice for anybody. That's the truth, right? <laughs> I yeah, love yeah. nonprofits because you feel like so nervous. Any dollar you spend, you know, has to go a long way. So I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for doing this. I think there's a lot of really helpful stuff in here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Change the World podcast. If you have any feedback or comments, or if you are a nonprofit leader who is interested in learning more about how 14 Minds can help you, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me by email at sivia at 14minds.com. For more nonprofit content, follow me on LinkedIn or visit 14minds.com to subscribe to our mailing list.